0: This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans, for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club.
1: It started so well for Everton at the Emirates Stadium on Sunday afternoon, but ultimately it ended in frustration as a 3-2 defeat saw the Blues slip to 11th place in the table. I'm Ian Kroll and this is your weekly dose of The View from the Gladys Street podcast on the Royal Blue channel. My guests, we have two. It's Gary Callahan and Ben Crawford. How are you, Gary? I'm good, mate, thanks. And how are you, Ben? I'm good, thanks, Ian. Lads, frustration, frustration, frustration. That's all I felt on Sunday. Um, felt Arsenal were there for the taking. Ben, um, I know we said you were on last week's show and we, uh, we said that Everton basically needed to do something different in order to take all three points against Everton. But I guess old Everton dab- uh, habits die hard.
2: Absolutely. It was uh, a real missed opportunity. For me, I don't think we played that badly. I thought we created some good chances, but when you defend like that away at any team, I thought it was atrocious. Really, some of the defending. Uh, like Ancelotti said, you can't concede three goals in a game and expect to get something from it, which is I think the problem. Especially the timing of the third goal straight away as soon as the second half kicked off. But you know we can sit in. We can, as I'm sure we will in this uh, in this show, we'll analyse the positives and analyse some good individual performances like Savandre Gomez coming back. But I think the overriding feeling is it's a missed opportunity. And how many times have we seen Everton go away to these kind of clubs, the Arsenals, the Chelseas, put in a good account of ourselves, probably come out of the game thinking, well, we're not actually far away, if not better than the team we've just played. But ultimately, we always, always seem to lose. And that was the overriding feel for me going into last week when all the positivity was on the show and I was a little bit negative, a little bit downbeat because I kind of sensed what was coming uh, I thought we'd go and play well as we did, but unfortunately like you say, old Abbots we've had two points this uh, since Ancelotti took over for me, where there'd been turning points, if you will, one of them was the Anfield derby in the cup and one of them was this Arsenal game, they were the two opportunities was to go out and be the real deal you know, get, get rid of the ghosts from the past and quite simply we didn't do it
1: Gary, familiar story, familiar errors and all too familiar evidence. What's your take on it?
0: Yeah, I, I agree with Ben, to be honest. We were the access of our own downfall, really, weren't we? Um, we that. I mean, good goals from Arsenal's point of view, but bad goals from our point of view. And like you said, you, you can't go and concede three goals like that and expect to get in an out of it. The funny thing is, we probably should have got something out of the game, even though we did concede three goals. I mean, I think for a while now, the difference between us and Arsenal, it's been the strikers, hasn't it? They've always seemed to have... A world-class striker who takes his chances, and I think if you put a Bormiague on on the end of some of Calvert-Lewin's chances, the scoreline would have been different. Do you know what I mean? Um, but we can see that bad goals are bad times, and like you say, it, it's pretty typical of us, especially at Arsenal, isn't it? Um, it's a chance missed. Um,
1: disappointing as well, because ultimately, probably we, we they were, were there for the taking. We would
0: go, we would go for at least a point, weren't we? Really, I think. I think, although Calvert-Lewin's done really well lately. <laughs> Yeah, he scored, but he should have. He, he could have had two, or should have had two. Probably could have had three, and you know and that that changes the face of the game, doesn't it? And I think it's it's just it is a missed opportunity, and it? it's just it's just typical of Everton, really. Um,
1: well, well, I was going to talk about Carver-Lewin, so the fact that you mentioned him, let's come on to it. I mean, five goals in the game. Ultimately, yeah. you know, you could say it was a goal fest, so it could have even been more. But fantastic goal for the first goal. Unlucky or not clinical enough for the chance, the other chances.
0: I'd say not clinical enough. I think if Richarlison's on the end of them, he'd, he'd probably have scored one of them. Um, I was talking to my brother during the match, and and he said, um, you know, he 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 reminds me a bit of, of like Thomas Radzinski. He'll score the chances that you don't expect him to score, but the ones where he's one on one with the keeper and, and he, like the the goal of Birmingham scored is his first one. He misses them because he sort of overthinks it. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think it, I think that that shows now. Okay, he scored 7-9 and or whatever it is, but they're the the times he's got... And he's not the finished article, I'll give him that, but he's got it improving them chances because that's the difference between finishing in the European places and and not is going to these teams and taking... My dad said to me before the game, we've got to take our chances, and we didn't.
1: I mean, Ben, you're nodding there, but is it not a little bit harsh? He he did score a goal. I mean, he was very, very unlucky with with some of the chances that was presented to
2: him. He was unlucky, uh, but unfortunately, I think part of from his own success really that's got to be expected of him now if he's going to be a number nine leading the line for a club trying to finish in Europe he's got to score them chances listen we know how good Aubameyang is I alluded to it on the show last week that I think he's other than maybe the best number nine in the league he takes two chances that are arguably probably more difficult than the two Cavaloon missed okay Cavaloon did brilliantly with the first goal and he has improved that side of his game but like we saw against Palace in the previous game, yeah, he, t- he took one of the chances, but he is liable to miss some as well. And if you're a world class, ruthless striker, you score all. Of them. You you don't you don't miss easy chances. And yeah, it, it could be perceived as harsh because he's improved so much. But I sort of I, I expect me number nine in my in my team to finish the kinds of, ch- kinds of chances he got there. That game, really, we wouldn't have been bad credited if we'd have come away with three points in that game, let alone one, because we did play well. And as much as I'm trying to be positive there, I think, you know, he has got to sort of wake up and the a spell a coffee bit and start taking the proper chances because ultimately he's improved so much and we're so happy with him at the moment, playing up front with Richarlison but he needs to develop that side of his game as well because that's what's going to stop him from being the level of the likes of Aubameyang and Aguero. Because in that game there, Aguero, perfect example, he's had games like that. He scores four or five goals. He doesn't score one or two, he scores five goals from five chances. And that's the next step for Calvert-Lewin. So it was disappointing really because he takes one or two of them chances out of the three when he should have took them all. We win that game and we're all ears Talk about the Champions League, basically.
1: Is he knocking on the door for a England <coughs> call-up? I think he is but only because of maybe
0: because of injuries necessity stuff, rather yeah. than yeah, yeah um, obviously I mean, Kane and don't get me wrong Rashford. Rashford, Rashford, also, he's you? done really well um, and maybe we are being a little bit harsh on him but like like Ben said you know what's expectation now if, if you're if he is knocking on the door of the England place and, and, you know, people are expecting this of him now, I personally think he should have at least took one of the other chances that yeah. he had. I think there was one he didn't even make contact with and he should have just gone with the outside of his foot instead of trying to with the inside. I forgot and
2: about that one, actually, yeah. The one where like he flew across just, the goal.
0: But in saying that, you know, we shouldn't have conceded three goals. I think the first goal, fair enough, was probably a, it was a great ball in by the, that soccer, Um But, you know, he got in between Mina and Holgate and one of them should have picked them up. Um and then obviously the the second goal. I think um, we haven't put any pressure on the play with the ball on David Luiz, <coughs> and we haven't dropped back either. So it's you know we have we haven't done anything to stop that pass, and everyone can see that the pass was coming. I know people are blaming Cedevi, but there was no pressure on David Luiz, and the defence didn't drop back. So you know another good goal from ours' point of view, but it's again it's sloppy from Mars And to concede, I don't know how many seconds it was after the restart. That's just put us right back behind the eight ball again, hasn't it? That Do was you know a goal, I mean? one,
1: really wasn't it, like. We've we've come in <laughs> to the second into the uh, half time and it's two two.
0: I mean, on the balance of things, we probably didn't deserve to be two two at the break anyway. We got we got that just sort of sloppy equaliser, didn't we? So you know, we should we went in on a high, really, and then.
1: Angelo, he kind of alluded to the fact that he, he suggested that he thought we we played well. Um, thought we did when yeah. we attacked, yeah. but obviously our defending is um, has, it has cost us cost us the game. Do, do you agree with that? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't, I, I felt like our attack and play at times was still quite slow and laboured. It was, but if, to be fair... And just sorry to interrupt as well, we did only score from set pieces, we didn't score from open play, which is not a bad thing, don't get me wrong, we took advantage of the Arsenal for LTS in defending, but you, you want to score from open play.
2: Yeah, I think I'd agree with you a bit more if we had no missed chances. You know, there were chances creating that game like Gary alluded to then where Cavalewin should score and if he takes those chances, you've scored five goals at the Emirates. You know what I mean? It's We created enough chances The finishing let us down as it ultimately does a lot of the time when we seem to have near misses with results. I don't think creating chances at the moment is a problem, especially when Gomez come on and he was threading balls through the middle towards the latter stages of the game. But the chances were being created you know, Especially for Carvalho, we needed well to get on the end of most of them. But the other players can only create the chances for the strikers to score from. And we need to take them more, I think, is the overriding feeling there. I don't think it was a case of we didn't play. uh, Listen, defensively, we were all at sea. But attacking-wise, we had a lot of the ball and we broke them down well. And yeah, it was just not taking the chances. We created them, we just didn't take them.
0: I agree with you. I think we did play well. Yeah. But like if you analyse the game, we we I know we scored really early, but I think the first half we were we were off the pace, you know. We weren't doing what we've we been doing. We just let them back into so it really Yeah, I mean, it was a when when the game started, I said to me to my dad, you know, um Calvert Lewin can, can bully um Mustafi and and David Luis, you know, that they, they are liable to make a mistake, get close them down, put them on the pressure. And we didn't do that, we didn't do what we've been doing. In the the past eight weeks or, or whatever it's been, um, and we sort of we were chasing shadows a bit really in the first half I thought, but as the game got stretched and once Gomez and Bernard came on, we were the better team and we did play well and, okay. um, you know, if I think if we did two our chances, we we probably we were we we deserved that uh, we were good for at least a point I think and I agree with them we did play well it was just, defensively we went you know we were sloppy and I think that it's not just defence it's. It's closing down from the front as well for for the especially for the second goal. Like I said, I don't think anyone put any pressure on on the, the centre half coming out with the ball, and it was too easy for him to make that pass. And and then you know you, you blame Sadevi or whoever for losing a Birmingham, don't you? But it, it starts at the front. It's defensively as a team, we we not we weren't good enough. I don't think.
1: Just there, referring back to Lewinus like mainly on on his first goal. I don't know if you've seen, but Graham Souness, <laughs> the comments that he made about the, the goal. What, what, what do you make of that? It should have been ruled out for, for dangerous play, apparently. To be
2: honest, I was surprised it wasn't checked more. Not that I thought it was a foul, because I didn't. And I'm also surprised... I think it was checked, wasn't it, though? I think but, it- I mean, to the extent it was, you know, they didn't slow, it, seemed to, it seemed to be given pretty quickly. And for me, from what I saw, I was surprised that David Luiz didn't make more of it. Because we've seen in the past, he's quite typical to be rolled around on the floor and trying to make a meal of things. And in that position, really, you expect David Luiz, when the goal goes in, to go down clutching his head, pretending he's been knocked cold. I think that makes the decision go in our favour. I think if David Luiz makes more of a meal of it, away at the Emirates, the referee probably sides with the home team there and disallows the goal. But for me, there was nothing wrong with it because he's only got eyes for the ball. I think the rule about a high foot, really, if you've got your eyes on the ball... Not the player. It shouldn't be a foul. It's only a foul if you intentionally go to hit the player and not to get the ball. But yeah, I was surprised that David Luis didn't make more of it because that would have made a much more difficult decision for the referee. But through blue tinted glasses, nothing wrong with the goal at all.
1: Through your blue tinted glasses, even with your non-blue tinted glasses on, Gary perceived high boots from Carabao. No, I don't
0: think so. I think he makes contact with the ball before. David Luiz head made contact with his foot. I think he heads the back of Calvert lewins foot.
1: It's just, it's you. crazy, isn't it? Some of the stuff that people come out yeah. with.
0: I think it's with VAR these days, everything gets checked, doesn't it? So, and you um, know, subjective. James goodness, is not exactly a big Evertonian, is he? So, not <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: exactly. But if, you, if you're if cancelling that goal out, the overhead, you're gonna have to cancel out yeah. every overhead no, goal. It, yeah, it's yeah.
0: just. It's one. I, I think that's why the Arsenal players didn't make any of it because there was nothing to make of it, to be honest.
1: Yeah. I just thought I'd bring it up and see. I knew what your answer would be, but I just <laughs> thought I'd bring it up. I mean, the the overall positive from the game, Ben, has to be the return and the impact Andre Gomez made on the game. How good was it to see him running around the pitch and Everton shirt again?
2: It was excellent. It was excellent just to see him come on. I mean, he got half an hour in him. I didn't think he'd get that much when I saw him not in the starting eleven. It was very heartening, I think, the reception he got from the Arsenal fans as well. I don't know if that's got anything to do with the Tottenham player injuring him. (laughs) But um, no, it was just a really nice moment for football. Generally, over the weekend, I think everyone was wishing him the best, even the likes of Graham Sooness and that will have probably been glad to see him come back on the pitch. And he did it. He, He took everything in stride. And he made an impact in the game for me. You know, we were expecting a player who'd been out that long to maybe come on, make a cameo, keep things tidy and neat and try and stay out of any challenges. But he was getting on the ball, holding the ball, looked like he doesn't drive him forward, like the old Andre going, but it's literally like nothing's happened. And he's just been on holiday for a couple of months. He looks as, in as good a shape as he did before he was injured. And... He just give us an extra dynamic in midfield. And to be honest, I don't know whether you're going to to it later if we talk about the rest of the midfield that was in the team yesterday. Andre Gomez, in that 25, 30-minute cameo, whatever he had, I think he's just completely shown us how poor the rest of that midfield's been since he's been injured. Because maybe they haven't looked that bad and we've given them the benefit of the doubt because we've been comparing them with each other. But when you compare them to an actual an actually good midfielder a quality midfielder like Andre Gomez I think then you start to realise how poor the likes of Guilty Sigurdsson, Schneider and Fabian Delph actually are and the fact is we need to try and look towards the summer and get somebody in who's as good as Andre Gomez who can play with him because the team for me especially the midfield it's going to be built around him and it's just great to have him back
1: Quite clearly, we looked more of an attacking threat when he came on the pitch for that last half hour. I mean, Arsenal just looked, no, I wouldn't say scared, but he definitely, we were the dom- dominant team when he came on, basically. Yeah,
0: definitely. He's the, he's the benchmark and he he stood out like a so for me. I mean, I know he played half an hour, but he's probably man of the match. He was everywhere and, he, you know, I think we were a lot more direct when he came on as well. And, and that's what we needed to be because... Um, we haven't got the midfielders to, to be, you know, pinging it around and I think quite a few times he, he just got it and just played balls over the top, didn't he? And, and that, you know, that causes Mustafi and Louise problems. And
1: He just finds space he, so easy, he just,
0: doesn't he? He, he, he? He's just completely different to, to any other midfielder we've got and he's just a quality player. He, you know, you can just, like I said, he just stands out above everyone else. Um, He can see passes to other players we've got can't. He can make passes to other players we've got can't. And. We, we were much more direct with him and and every time he gets the ball, he's looking for a forward pass and I think that's why we were more, you know, attacking when he came on and it's just a shame he didn't start, to be honest, because I thought when him and Bernard came on, we looked a, a much better team. Um, I think playing the team that we did, I mean, for me, I, I don't know if he's agreeing, with me, but Alex Wolby offers us nothing. I think, I know people come on here and, and slag Theo Walcott off, but he's, he's a downgrade on Theo Walcott for me and I think m- missing Walcott and, Bernard sort of hindered the way the way we were playing I know Bernard has that free role where he comes in from the left and gets, Sigurdsson can kind of do the same thing but he's got no pace he can't close down the way Bernard can he can't put the defenders under pressure the way Bernard can Um, and that sort of hindered us and then once Bernard and Gomez came on we were much more aggressive and, and direct and that suits us I think you've said it before in the past, we're better when we when we counter attack and when we get the ball forward quicker. And Gomez can do that for us because he can play them passes that Schneider and can't.
1: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Wobie, and he is a um, a point on the agenda today. So we will talk about him, but let's just stay on Gomez for the time being. If we carry on playing four four two, and you would suggest Gomez is in that team, who partners Gomez in the midfield? For the you know next couple of games.
2: Okay, for the next couple of games. I was gonna say long term, it's gonna be
1: JP gabban isn't it? Yeah, but it? I, I think, mean, yeah. in terms of players who fit now. Uh,
2: to be honest, I don't think there's a lot between any of them. I think the rest of the other options are very, very poor. I think. I'll tell you mind,
1: just to interrupt you, I go Delf, just because.
2: Yeah, he's a
0: bit yeah. more solid. I would yeah. agree. He's a bit
2: more like gritty and yeah. I, uh, dirty with. Yeah, I suppose Yeah, and I remember the two of them, Delph and Gomez, actually had a really good game in the season at home to Wolves. That's the only time I can think. Of, I, I mean, Tom Davis seemed to play well with Andre Gomez before Gomez yeah, yeah. got injured. To remember, he's gone completely off the boil. But really, it, picking between Delph, Sigurdsson, and Schneidlin, it's like it's sometimes it can be like playing with ten men, especially when we're defending. Because like um, Gary Neville. He was having to go to Sigerson, wasn't he? To be saying he was walking into into our attacks, and that's, that's his run, though. isn't it, to be fair, but
0: <laughs> <Well>, sorry, <laughs> a walk's his run. To fair. I here. know, but to
2: be fair, when you watch it back, he was. It did look like I don't know whether it was a lack of effort because I don't know the lad's character off the pitch, but you know, is he not got the engine to play in this high intense sort of team that Ancelotti's trying to build? It's it is difficult one. I probably would say Delph, even though I'm not as big as fan just because at least out of the three of them he's natural central midfielder, whereas I think Schneiderlin's more defensive and Sigurdsson's more attacking.
1: The only reason I suggest Delph is because he's probably more of the, the holding. Yeah, I don't do
0: think Sigurdsson can play in a four four two. I know he has in the last few games, but for me, it, he's a number 10 and he doesn't suit a four four two.
1: I mean, Sigurdsson, that like you mentioned, we've got a pacer on social media from all Everton fans. Is that criticism from that game warranted, do you think? Was he, he he was poor. Yeah. He
0: was poor. I mean
1: Was he poor in the fact that he just didn't offer anything going forward? He was or he, I, just, I don't he think just he
0: hid. He offered anything. I mean my dad said to me he didn't look interested. I know Bench just said the same thing. He did, he didn't look interested. Like he was getting frustrated and, and you know like he didn't even do what he's good at. He didn't even keep the ball well for us. Or he was telling
2: you know, other players to pass the ball around him, wasn't he? Yeah. He was like pointing to other players, saying, "Pass it to him, pass to him, not to me."
0: He just didn't look interested in the game. Like I know he was playing our position on on the left, but I don't know. He it, it was just like he's just. I I don't think he's got a future of us. I I've stuck up for him because I like him, but he doesn't work in a four four two. He got no pace, so he can't play on the wing. He, he just doesn't shoot. I mean, obviously, if, we, if we're not going to play 4-4-2 going forward, he might, but even when we played him as a number 10, he didn't exactly set the world, alike, did he? Do you know what I mean? Um, I think when we signed him, everyone was saying about all his assists and that he makes, but they were all from corners and free kicks. I, I, I don't see what he offers us, to be honest.
2: Do you agree? At the moment, no. Uh, sorry, at the moment, yes, I do agree with Gary. I don't think he's got a future at the club. I think when we signed him, we were a much different type of team. I think we played 4-5-1, 4-2-3-1 for a number of years and we seemingly always operated with a number 10 at <laughs> 1.3 of them. But, you know, <laughs> we've always played with a number 10 and one central striker and Slotty's sort of inverted the pyramid in that sense and he's put two up front and gone back to a classic 4-4-2. And that, yeah, it doesn't suit Sigurdsson, but you know all I'd say is I don't think it actually suits Gomez that much, but great players... Will will still thrive in a different system with Gilfie Sigurdsson. You know he's got all the attributes of a central midfielder. Though he can pick a pass, or all right on paper he can pick a pass. He can shoot from distance. When we signed him, he was you know supposed to have a good engine because he covered so much ground, like uh, compared to all the other midfielders when we signed him. But I just think he's completely regressed, and he's only thirty. But to me, he looks like a player who's over the hill. He looks. It's it's like having someone like Paul Gascoigne when we signed him. There's a bit of class in there now and again that comes out, but he just doesn't look like he's got the desire or the engine to compete in Ancelotti's side. And he's always going to want hard work as a minimum from every player. And I just, I think if we can get any kind of realistic bid from the bid from him in the summer, I think he'll be gone. To be honest,
0: I think I think his is numbered. He could play in in a four four two. I I wouldn't but he can do the basic things, he can do the simple things, but so can Schneiderlin and so can Delf.
1: Well, that's the thing though, the, the fact that Gomez, I don't really want to call it a cameo because I agree with you, Gary. I think he it, it was man of the match when he when he came on. Completely changed the dynamic of the game for us moving forward. It shows how much we've missed them yeah. because when we've played the likes of Delf Schneiderlin in a partnership or you know Sigurdsson and Schneiderlin or vice versa in the partnership, they've been... Solid, they've been compact, you know, short passes and, and get it forward quick to the likes of Richarlison and Dominic Avaloon for them to, you know, to do the work. But, I mean, Gomez, he, I, I don't want to, like, come up with, like, American terms, but he's almost like a, a quarterback, isn't he? He's just pinging balls around, you know, from afar, he, even short. He just, like I said, he just finds so much space and it's quite clear we've, like... That's the thing, No, like, it. like Ben said...
0: It- he, he doesn't really fit a four four two Gomez. He's more of a like a deep lying playmaker if you like his knee. Yeah. He? But he's got a bit of it, and e- well, he's got an engine, he, and he's got a bit of pace as well. So he can play in a four four two because he yeah. can get about the pitch. Sigurdsson can't. He can't get about the pitch as much bad, as he, is he can try. He's got no pace, and and that's his biggest problem. And it showed, I think, in the, in the derby when those young lads just ran rings random, them. Do you know what I mean? And and it's the same with Snyder. He? He's got no pace. And in in a four four two, you need to be a complete midfielder. You can't be like an attacker or a defensive midfielder, you need to do a bit of everything. Do you know what I mean? Because you are basically, you're it. You're the midfield. There's no like, well, I've got, you know, Lee Carsley sitting behind me. You can pick, pick it all up like we used to have. You're
1: it. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Moving on to Alex Iwobi then. The
0: View from the Gladys Street Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street Podcast.
1: Uh, in my notes here, I've just got <coughs> Alex Iwobi must do better. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to discuss and talk about it. But w- when I say that, all the eleven on the pitch must do better. We, we know that. But what what I mean by it is that he's one of the players who came in in the summer. So really, this isn't someone who's dead wood. Like like we're talking about six and Snarden. Yeah, he's yeah. supposed well, to young be as one, well, for, yeah. one for the future and one for one for now and one, one for the future. And we spent a lot of money on this guy. Well. We'll start off with Ben because we know Gary's thoughts and we'll move on. But Ben, Awobi, he must do better, must he? Absolutely. I think Alex Awobi again, I think he's another player this
2: season who's regressed a little bit. I think he got off to a flyer. He
1: has been injured as well, hasn't yeah. he? But
2: even before the the injury, at the home game against Arsenal got injured, and even before that, I, I struggle to know where where he fits on a football pitch. He started off like a house on fire because he scored a couple of headers, didn't he? And he looked like he was going to be sort of like a, a presence in the box and a bit of a, t- a wide target, man, if you will, but... On, you, no, you, no, 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 all I was going to say, there. I
1: didn't want to interrupt you, but I f- feel like he did have a, a fairly decent start. He did have, him, have a decent start, But yeah. I felt he played his best games when he was playing as the number 10 behind the like, I
2: completely agree. I think... We're like, not playing that at the moment, are we? are not, but like Gary said, Dave, if we ever go back to playing with a number 10, Gillespie is not even our first year, number 10, because Alex Iwobi is. I like him as a number 10, I think that's his position. But we don't play best in that kind of system. So we can't sacrifice the, be- for the, the benefit team for the benefit of Alex Iwobi. So he's got to reinvent himself. I'm surprised with all the injuries we have in midfield, we haven't tried him as a central midfielder, because like you said then, Gary, he... Compared to the rest of them, he is mobile, he is quick, he's a big lad. Okay, I don't know how good he is at tackling that kind of stuff, but with Andre Gomez next to him, why can't we try something where we play him as that box-to-box midfielder? Because he's a presence in both boxes, he's a big lad. Like I say, he can link the play up, he's difficult to get the ball off. So that's the thing, he's got to, for me, reinvent himself and find a position in this football team in the way we play under Ancelotti. Otherwise, he's going to get completely left behind because he's not a winger for me. Certainly not a winger. He's not got... He's got the pace and the trickery, but I don't think he's got the nous to beat a man and get a decent cross into the box. For me, he's all about the raw physical attributes. He's all about being a strong individual on the ball who can get in the faces of the opposition, hold the ball up if need be, and play through the, and play through the middle of the pitch. And that's where we need to find a home for him, where they're going to do it, I'm not sure, but why not try him in the centre midfield alongside Andre Gomez and just, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I'll tell you one thing, Sigurdsson and Schneiderlin definitely doesn't work, so maybe we're trying something different.
1: I mean, Gary, I'm going to sound like a proper hypocrite here, but I'm always willing to give players a chance, no matter who it is, but when we signed Alex Wobie, I just thought, what are we doing? Spending that amount of money on, who's not a bad footballer, I just don't think, you know, Look where Arsenal have been over the past couple of years. Okay, they've been very close to qualifying for the Champions League. They've got to Europa League finals. But for me, I just didn't think he was the right fit. He's the right player. He's here now. Um, he's had ups and downs. But, you know, can you see him? Can you see if an Everton team where he is pivotal?
0: Well, to be honest, I think we only signed him because we couldn't get Har really, didn't we? I think it was like, well, we can't get him. So, you know, we'll try and get... It will be, and Arsenal were like, "Yeah, yeah, you can have him." <laughs> um, what thirty odd
1: million? Yeah, yeah, sounds. Like, is that three point four? That's what it felt like, didn't um, it? Because he accepted it pretty quickly. Yeah.
0: Um, f- for me, I think if he was going to have a long term position, I think it's going to be playing on the left. But Bernard plays there, playing on the left and cutting in the way Bernard does because he's right footed, isn't he? Um, I don't. I don't. I haven't seen that much of him. I'll be honest, um, but I don't think he's like Ben said. I don't think he's quick enough. I might be wrong to be an out and out winger to, to you know to hug the touchline. He's quick. He's just not like, very
2: nimble, is he? Because he's quite a big lad. He's not. He's, um, he's quite big for a winger. I think
0: isn't he? Walcott suits the position where he's playing now, yeah. getting in behind all the time and and you know um, using his pace. For me, it will be his long term futures on the left, which is one of the reasons why I thought, why are we signing him? Um, Bernard's going to play there.
1: That's the, um, that's the the main problem though, isn't it? Because okay, if you've got two players for every position. Then, you know, that's probably what most Premier League teams would aspire to have. Say we have got that for the left hand side, we've got Bernard, we've got Awobi, a two very, very different players. When one is out and one comes in, effectively, you'd have to play slightly different to what you would have played with Bernard. That's not ideal, is it? I know you want flexibility and you want a, you want a bit of different, you know, style and attributes to a player, but you completely have to change from how you would play with Bernard to Awobi.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I, I don't, like I said, I, I, he hasn't played that many games, has he? But I, I couldn't even say, like you said, he's not even similar to Bernard. So, like, if he does play where Bernard plays, can, can he play that, that free role? Do you know what I mean? I know, I know Ben was saying about playing him as a number 10, and he, he did well there, but playing, playing on the left and coming in behind the striker is not the same as playing a number 10, is it? I, I just don't know. Like I said before, I don't really know what he offers us. I, like he, It's not like he works really hard and, and he closes down. He like scores goals or anything like that. Scores goals or goals. I mean, I, don't, I just don't know. I, I don't know why we signed him in the first place, if I'm being honest with
1: you. I don't know. I don't know. That's the main thing to say. <laughs> A lot um, of questions. Yeah, I know. Well, let's move on to Jordan Pickford. I don't want to spend too much time on him, but could he have done anything better for any of the goals?
2: I didn't hold him responsible. Yeah. I know some people did, but I think it's rubbish. I think at the end of the day... He, you're going to let a player have a free header from half 6-7 yards, seven, seven yards out. The goal, uh, I think, are you referring to when Aubameyang's header? Just for moment, Because you yeah, know what? For all of them, maybe. The ball is headed powerfully by Aubameyang into the ground and into the corner of the goal. No goalkeeper in the world saves that shot. It's just because it's Jordan Pickford and he, maybe he's, di- he's dived a little bit, like, theatrically towards the ball. It's... Sorry, but OK, you could probably nitpick and find little bits, but we should be more concerned about giving a rollick into the defence, really. Because, you know, Yeri Mina and Mason Holgate against Albamiang and Eddie Nketiah, I think that's how you say his name, that shouldn't be a match in the air, should it? You know, you think of Arsenal, think of the silky players they've got. Do you think for one minute they should be scored from two crosses? You shouldn't you know they shouldn't be scoring from crosses against us when we've got big lads like that in the middle. So, I think the question's got to be with them first because you can have any goalkeeper in the world. If you're going to let headers fly at goal from six, seven yards out, especially with the momentum of the ball behind them, it's going to be difficult for any goalkeeper. So, I'm I'm not happy blaming him for much of that game, really, to be fair. I think it was the three goals were all quite difficult to save for him, and the defence needs to ask more, uh, answer more questions than he does for me. Yeah.
1: I mean, Gary, I I agree, completely agree with what Ben said there, but I've questioned Jordan Pickford's decision-making in the past, and there was one into Jordan the game, which didn't um, end up being a goal for Arsenal, but where he just passed it out to, I can't even remember, Snaglin or someone, Sigurdsson.
0: He's more applying for that than he is for
1: any of the goals. Yeah, and the Arsenal players, them end up winning the ball. Um, Just wanted to touch on it, really, I'm not not slagging him off, I just think... His decision making is still in question for me. I just think it was a bad decision yeah, to do that. Yeah, I
0: think you know the the last few games we've had com- conversations on here about him making silly mistakes, and that was another silly mistake. I mean, this which he time, got away with. Yeah, it didn't result in a goal, but it still goes on as another mistake, and he's got to cut it out. Um I know I, I read somewhere about someone on Match of the Day said we were great playing out from the back. I don't think we were. No, I think been. we were our best play was when we gave it to Gomez and went long or when Pickford went long. Yeah. I think Mina looks awful on the ball, to be honest with you, and I don't think Hol- Holgate was, was great with with coming out from the back either to be fair. Um, I don't think we should should try and play out from the back that often, to be honest, because it, it, we're losing the ball too often and, and Pickford's made another mistake trying to do it again, and, and you know it, could, it, could, it didn't, but it could have cost us another
1: goal. The problem with playing out from the back for me is the fact that we haven't got the midfield to take the ball off the defenders. Yeah, well
0: Gomez was sitting in between the two centre centre-halves when he came on, didn't he? Yeah. And taking the ball straight from Pickford yeah. instead of it having to go to the centre because we, we just it just doesn't work, basically.
1: <sighs> no, no, no. I mean Sidibi's having a bit of a torrid time at the minute, isn't he, Ben? And is he being is this harsh, but is he being found, found out a little bit? Or is he just having a I mean, just some good goals from Arsenal, weren't he that he was Unfortunately I fall for.
2: I think the jury's definitely still out on Gibraltar We, Um I've got a piece coming out later on today that I've written and in it I've included quite a scathing kind of report, and a bit of realisation about the decision on Gibraltar Sidi is certainly not clear cut. At this point I'd say I'm edging towards letting him go and not taking up the option to sign if John Joe Kenny's gonna come back because I think he's done okay in bits. He's probably Got a lot more going forward now than Coleman has, but Coleman's still probably a bit more of a steady defender for me. Yeah. He's a bit
1: erratic. You thought you would you would you agree with me in saying that his best performances have been when he's been on the right hand side of the midfield rather than the defence where he doesn't have to worry about defending as much?
2: I don't know whether his best performances have been on the right wing, but I certainly think that's a good string that he's added to his bow. You know, I think imagine if in a hypothetical world, if we were playing European football next season at Europa League, he'd be a good option to have in the squad because he can cover on the right wing if we're under under the cost a little bit. So it's like having two defensive players on the right side of the pitch. But I think the overwhelming feeling for me is okay, twelve millions a snip for any kind of international football these days with the inflated fees and what have you. But I'd like us to see to see us either bring Kenny back and really invest some time in letting him have a good run in the team or if they've already decided that Kenny's going to be staying in Germany or whatever, I'd like us to scout a proper right-back a bit like we did with Luca Dean. You know, Leighton Baines was coming to the end so we went out there and we bought the best left-back we could to make an instant impact. We need to do that with the right-hand side now. And do I think there's better players out there available to us to Sidibe? I do.
1: Okay. I mean, you say Leighton Baines is coming to the end, but he's still had a decent it's great, Leighton.
2: He's evergreen, isn't he? But I'd give him another year already. I really would.
1: I would. I would. Um, results didn't go our way over the weekend. In fact, I think every team who <laughs> we Pam needed Sheffield to, United. Did they? They drew it did on. They to do. Well, every other team that we needed to lose picked up points. So we're, we're 11th now. We've gone from. they have gone above us. It's crazy, isn't it? We've gone from wanting to, you know, Champions League aspirations to 11th which you know but point wise it's very congested isn't it um, is the race still on Gary for you for Champions League no I don't no. think so I, I never I thought we'd get in the Champions League anyway to not be even for 5th
0: um, no I think th- the next few games obviously if we'd have beat Arsenal I might be talking a little differently but I don't think we're going to pick up enough points, and you already had it start on us anyway, didn't I? I think the, the best we can hope for is still Europa League. I don't think that that's to say let's write off the season and it doesn't count for anything, but I think Champions League now, it's it's unrealistic to be going up against the teams that we've got in the next three or four games. We're not going to pick enough points up. I yeah. mean, we, we might even, you know, put a good performance like we did against Arsenal, but I just can't see us getting enough points out of the next few games.
1: I mean, I st- I do agree with you and I don't want to get my hopes up, but, you know we're still in with a chance for me, just purely for the fact that the teams that we're playing, so if we beat United, they lose three points. The big ifs, don't No, think. obviously I know, but what I'm saying is, say we did beat United, we're on 39 and they're on 41, and that just opens the door slightly. I think
2: we've got too many away games, though. You know, it's all those teams, we got to play like the Wolves and Tottenham. Yeah. They're all away from home. Chelsea, that, that's what we me. If they were at home, bring it on, like we did last season, had a good run of games at home, but away from home, like we proved against Arsenal, we could play as well as we want, but... We always seem to come home empty-handed.
1: Well, doesn't get any easier, does it? So United are next up Sunday, isn't it? Um, how do you see that going? Um,
2: I think we could win that one because we're at home. I think the emphasis on that, if we were a- away from home, I'd be saying similar to whatever the Arsenal game, it'd be difficult to probably play okay but come away on the wrong end of the result. But at home, you've got to be pretty confident, I think, of getting something out the game. Come again straight in. Absolutely. Of course, he goes straight. If he was fit enough to be on the bench of the Arsenal game, he goes straight in. You know, we've got eight days, uh, sorry, we've got a whole week from when we played Arsenal to play Man United. We've not got European football, unfortunately. So he goes, of course, he goes straight into the team. He goes straight into the team for me alongside Alex Owope in central midfield. Yeah, Guy, I think
0: it's going to be pretty similar to the Arsenal game. I think the difference is going to be, or whether we get it in an it's going to depend on how well we defend. I think. I think we'll create chances against them, I think we'll score. But it's whether we can keep Martial and Greenwood and you know them type of players. They are very inconsistent. United, you know, they um, very rarely no, no, win three, four games in a row. I and- think we've 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 got a good chance of beating them. Um, I'm not going into the game thinking it's a foregone conclusion. i you know we we I'm confident we can get something out of it. But it all depends on how well we defend. I think. I think w- we've scored in every game Ancelotti's been in charge of, um, and to go to them and score two. All right, they went great goals, but it's it's not an easy thing to do. And I think we can score goals. We've just got to. Make sure they don't.
2: <laughs> first goal's massive in that game on on Sunday, I think. First goal's massive. If we score first, United have got form to crumble. If they score first, the crowd could get on Everton's back.
1: I mean, they tend to sit back and play on the counter-attack anyway, so... Don't we can, think we'll let them. I, I think that's, that's what we,
0: we've we got to do. We've got to sort of... I know this is going to sound stupid, but give them the ball and yeah. let them come at us and then hit them on the break because we're probably not going to break them down. Like, you know, wave after wave of attack, that's not... It's not it's
1: not really the way we play. And could we play like that though with Gomez? Like someone who's a bit more assured and, you know, technical on the way. We've got
0: more chance of playing like that. Um but (laughs) it suits Gomez. I don't think it suits the rest of the team, does it? I don't think that slow build up suits Calvert luna and Richardson. They're better when they're, you know, over the top or or holding the ball up when it's it's closer to their area rather than the slow build up. And Gomez can do either. So why not why not get do what we did in the second half against Arsenal? Because I thought that was like Quite promising, to be honest. And we created a lot more chances. All right, they went like, you know, beautiful football. But it was a, it was a ball over the top, and someone was running onto it. But it works, and that's what our players are good at. I think that's going to be our best chances, letting them try and break us down and hitting them on the break rather than the other way Because if we do that, we'll get we'll get beat basically because they've got bags of pace up front, and our defence isn't exactly solid at the minute.
1: Well, that's obviously a couple of days until the United game, told so the could be injuries, anything could happen. But we will just get a quick prediction off you because this will be the one and only view from the Gladstreet podcast this week. So, Ben, give us your probably negative prediction. Well, there's no
2: point now. Like My theory gonna out the window, hasn't it? Because <laughs> predi- I think I had run a run of three games where I predicted the defeat and we won. It's gonna out the window now for the halfway game. You know what? I'm going to say it's going to be a tight game. I don't think it's going to be as open, free flowing as people might think. I think we're going to nick it 1 0.
1: Okay.
0: I think we'll draw 1-1. One, one. It
2: won't be to score a belter from centre midfield.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: think it'll be a one all draw. <laughs> I think we'll score, but I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet.
1: Yeah, I'll go with 2-1 to us. Let's try and be positive. It's the hope that kills you at the end of the day, isn't it? <laughs> I said, Damn, that it was,
2: they were my exact words on the show last week. It's the hope that kills you.
1: All right, well, that is it for your View from the Gladys Street fan podcast this week. Ben, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having Gary, me. Gary, thank you for coming on. No worries, mate. Although... It hasn't been, you know, a chat on the best circumstances after the game. It, it's, it's always good to uh, talk it over and you do feel better. Weekly afterwards. therapy
2: session, isn't
0: it? Definitely. Isn't it? I look forward to them now.
1: Certainly is. All right, lads, thank you very much um, for coming on and everyone out there listening. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street fan podcast on the Royal Blue Channel.
0: You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from
2: the Liverpool Echo.